What he wanted to do was simply take her in his arms and whisper cliches into her ear till the library closed, till the universe closed. If it came to that, everything's going to be all right, he longed to tell her. You're not alone. I will always be there for you. I will always take care of you. Always. But of course, he hadn't said any of those things. His feelings for her frightened him so much. Tom stared at the wall. This time, it wasn't Elizabeth's face he was seeing. This time, it was the faces of his family. His parents, his older sister, his little brother. It was harder to picture them now. The time that had passed and the power of what he felt for them blurred the images. He still missed them so much. It was like a physical ache. It's me who's alone, he said to himself. It wasn't that Elizabeth needed him. It was he who needed her. And needing was something he didn't want to touch with the tip of his finger. It was even more terrifying than love. What was it Danny had said to him the other day? You can't start a fire, Tombo, without the risk of getting burned. But without a fire, you'll freeze to death. idea with <laughs> Are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth? I can't wait till Jessica and Elizabeth murder each other. <laughs> Wolfields! She lost her virginity on a mirrored canopy waterbed and watched her own disappointment. It's our very own Elizabeth Gomez. I'm going to use my sexy voice for this one. <laughs> She lost her virginity on a waterbed while R. Kelly's download played on repeat. Now that's an entire mood, baby. It's Adrian Gunn. How is it possible that we both lost our virginities on waterbeds? All I can say is it was the 90s. I was like, is this the 90s? I don't know. I'm so old, I can't even remember the decades. <laughs> it was definitely 1996 for me. But anyway, this is Wokefield, where two middle-aged comedians realize all their problems started with Sweet Valley High. And each week, we read a Sweet Valley High novel and talk about how the most beautiful twins in the <laughs> land, Jessica and Elizabeth, completely fucked up our ideas of being a woman in America. Yep, and today, we have now finally left high school behind and moved on to the university where Jessica finally loses her virginity. Elizabeth puts on the freshman 15 and Francine shows us that she's pretty racist. I mean, it's <laughs> terrible. Well, this was I, also the 90s. I also was like, is she trying to show us that she's progressive because she likes people who are black? Like, well, we we do meet our first black character in this book and we'll get to it. We'll, we'll get, get to it. it. We'll get to it. Yeah. And then we'll welcome Anita Meckler, archivist, entrepreneur, painter, and retired roller derby babe to discuss her obsession with Sweet Valley High when she was a kid and talk about sex, sex, Sex. Wow, wow. I mean, everybody stick around because you know what you're getting today? How I lost my virginity stories. <laughs> and you'll be so sad. <laughs> Not what they do in college. There's no they don't do anyway. See, I no. told you I'm too old. Listen, yes. this book. Yes. Every week. Yes. You know, I come to you and I'm like, why are we reading this book? You loved this book. I let's talk about it <laughs> let's talk yeah, about it for you I'm okay so you. now basically elizabeth and jessica have graduated high school yes that they uh go off to sweet valley high or sweet valley university obviously you can't move towns right they take their whole crew todd's yes. there winston's yes. there enid's yes. there but enid <laughs> all of a sudden for lila who has gone to italy and is now a countess <laughs> Countess de Montedicci. I will tell you, I would be so happy if I could have left high school and become a countess. 100%. Bruce Patman's there. Bruce Patman's Winston there. Winston Egbert's there. 
And Enid, who is yeah. now known as Alex, for some strange reason of which we never get the Listen, background. Listen, you know what? First of all, I was supposed to be in Alexandra. It was either Alexandra or Adrian. They chose Adrian, which was clearly the wrong choice. I'm definitely an Alex. I think everybody can see that and knows that. And if I had Enid's balls... I would 100% be like, start calling me Alex. Just call me Alex. Even yeah. if my name was Enid, I'd be like, let's let's go with Alex. I know that. <laughs> I know that. I know that the longer that we've been reading these books, yeah. the more we kind of criticize Francine for her writing mistakes. Mm-hmm. I would say that she has always been very consistent in every single novel that we've had to providing the background as a recap in every yes. single book. Mm-hmm. However, she drops the ball on this one. Well, we should tell our listeners. So instead of reading the first SVU, where basically Todd and Elizabeth break up and they all go to college. We have skipped to number two because Jessica's going to lose her virginity. And that's what we wanted to see. Right. We wanted some like, you know, like hiding the banana. Yes. Like a little injection of the sausage. A walk of shame. (laughs) So the point is we can't tell you why Enid is now going by Alex. We do not care. We do not care. (laughs) We also can't explain why Winston is living in the women's dorm. No. Again, Skipping it. Yeah. So let's get to the most important parts. <laughs> okay. I, let me tell you right now the most important part. Yes. Elizabeth has gained the freshman 15. It's awful. Awful. I mean, literally, I texted you. I texted Taylor. I texted Rachel. I texted all my friends. And I was like, the only way this makes sense is if Elizabeth is on one of those discovery shows where she is pregnant and does not know it. Like every way they describe it, she's like, Elizabeth only had granola all day, but could not lose her five pounds. I mean, I was like, she's definitely secretly pregnant. She has no idea. It, absolutely. And one of the things that kept coming back to me was like how hungry she was. All the they time. They just the kept whole describing book. it. Her entire journey is lonely sad, hungry, and fat. That's correct. I mean, it's a real... <laughs> well, this, also, this book was packed with plots. Yes. They were like... Who, was it Francine who actually wrote it? No, it was no, a, one of the ghost thrusters. I, <laughs> no, I, I can never keep one, up. These are written by Lori John, aren't they? Oh, right. Like, Who's probably... Right, Lori. Yeah, Lori John. So she just decided to pack this book with all the plots. Yes. There's all sorts of things that are happening. So the the best way that we thought we could explain this book to you guys is just simplifying it, yeah. getting to the two main characters that yes. everyone likes and cares about. And why don't we start with Jessica? Look, all I know is I picked this book is because I wanted to see Jessica get deflowered. And you know what happens? Jessica gets deflowered off screen I'm so fucking mad but let's talk about how she got there (laughs) well she starts dating this guy Mike McCallery was his name whatever it is he's a motorcycle man he's like on a motorcycle has a leather jacket yeah of course everyone is up in arms especially Jessica's roommate Isabella and her brother Steven yes and Isabella is the worst her roommate is the worst she is like you know what I want to do I noticed that Jessica might be at a point where she might sleep with this dude. And in order to do it, she needs some condoms. Listen, I kept coming back to like, when are we getting the reveal that Isabella's like, yes, I've also fucked Mike McAllery. <laughs> That's what and I was it didn't go for. well. Because she's really highly invested in Jessica not fucking. And as we get to our conversation with Anita, I'm sure we'll talk more about like the sex politics of like why Jessica must remain pure. But there are a lot of people invested in her purity, Isabel, Isabella being one, and Stephen, her fucking psycho of a brother. Yeah, who's staring out the window. So Mike lives in the same apartment building as Stephen does. Yes. And when Stephen one morning sees Jessica leaving Mike's apartment, he is like, oh no, I don't want this to happen. You know what I'm going to do from now on? I'm going to stare out the window and bug my, <laughs> bug my I mean, girlfriend. he confronts them. He like, his girlfriend's constantly like, you're being a psycho. And he's like, no, I'm not. These are my sisters. You don't understand. <laughs> it's like very, anyway so Jessica's dating this guy everyone's like don't fuck this guy so Jessica is gonna do Jessica she's like you said I shouldn't fuck him I'm gonna so she goes over there to fuck him and you know what happens chapter break I'm so fucking pissed about this you know what if Judy Bloom can write forever and give us like a fucking roadmap to the dick so can fucking Sweet Valley University I 100% agree with you but you actually missed a point plot which a point no I yes you did it was Jessica goes over to his house yeah she is about to sleep with him yeah she starts to bang him yeah 
And then she wakes up the next morning. Yeah. Looks in the mirror. Yes, I was getting there. That's the next morning. <laughs> so the next morning, she's like, she does the fucking Judy Bloom, like, do I look different? Am I different now that I'm a woman? I mean, it's that's a very weird. I will say, you know, I spent a lot of time in quarantine watching the tutors, engaging with the tutors in this whole time. And I'm like, wow, you know, 500 plus years have passed. And this is still the way. I mean, like, why it's, are we teaching people to go in the mirror and see if they look different? Right. Because you don't. You no. don't. And I actually saw my face in the mirror when it was happening. Listen, we'll get there. Let's stay on the book. <laughs> okay. So let's talk a little bit about Elizabeth. Elizabeth at this point is she lives in a separate dorm yes. than Jessica. And Elizabeth has a terrible, terrible roommate who we will talk about named Celine. Yes. She is the worst. She's the Blanche Devereaux of Sweet Valley University. She's Southern. She's bitchy. And I think the key thing to note about Elizabeth, which I think is actually somewhat interesting if you give the books any sort of like... Um, you know, depth or credence or props is that, you know, Elizabeth is miserable at college, which is basically the opposite of what we would have expected for her. I am not surprised. She was miserable in high school. She is <laughs> she is always struggling to solve things and help people out. And now she's in college and she probably wants the same kind of thing, but it's not happening. Now, she and Todd have broken up. Yep. Now she has two new love interests. Yep. And one of them is her, uh, her university television networks. <laughs> Yeah. Boss, Tom. Yeah, he's also a student, but he's a reporter. He's a top-notch, a crackerjack reporter. And you know what he's going to fucking do, Elizabeth? He is going to crack the story about a legal athlete recruiting <gasps> at Sweet Valley University. Adrian Gunn, you are yeah. not going to tell me that athletes who go to university <laughs> take bribes? <laughs> I am going to tell you that you know who's going to crack that story. Tom Watts and his protege, Elizabeth Wakefield. Well, on the other side of that, Tom Watts is not the only love interest for Elizabeth. There is a gentleman named William White. William White. White. Already know he's a fucking killer. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He is a guy who, when Elizabeth is sitting in the library, decides that he's going to approach her mysteriously. Yes. I'm I'm stroking my fake mustache, if you can't tell. Yes. But... um, He's going to approach her mysteriously and hand her a flower. <laughs> a, a tiny white rose. And I just want to read to you the thing that I looked up. So I was like, yeah. who is William White? Because we're not going to ever read any more no. of these books because no. they are terrible. Fuck the university. Right, no more. And um, I was like, what's going to happen next? So the wiki Sweet Valley University page lists his character as such. William White. William White. White. A psychotic racist (laughs) who fell madly in love with Elizabeth before trying to murder her and her friends. Obviously. It is assumed that William died, but he turned out to have been alive the whole time. Obviously. He successfully destroyed Elizabeth and Todd's relationship, but he was eventually found out and killed. I mean, you know, nothing the Sweet Valley loves more than a... A universe where the Wakefield twins are always at risk, where they're always at risk for rape or murder or kidnapping. I mean, it's ridiculous. But, okay, so let's just wrap up the threads. Right. Jessica gets fucked for the first time. We don't get to see it. We have no idea if she came. It's sad for us. Then, and, and don't forget there was a Sybil, like a Sybil Shepherd from Moonlighting moment where she's like an investigative... Um, oh, I'm getting invest- there. Oh, okay. Okay. So then she, of course, is like, I'm going to surprise my boyfriend with some croissants. And she goes to his house and another girl is leaving. This is the day after they boned. And all I could think was, I hope Elizabeth Gomez is not too triggered by this. <laughs> sure if you're like will she be triggered because the croissants didn't get eaten (laughs) well we'll get to that when we share our virginity (laughs) stories but the bottom line is so of course mike mcgallery is a fucking dirtbag he's boning other girls so elizabeth so jessica she catches him then she dresses up with a scarf over her head and she follows him around and she sees him with another girl and there's girls and girls and girls and then eventually he comes to her and he's like but i love you please move in with me and jessica is like 
I will. Yeah, she's like, after we go to this dance together. <laughs> right. Which is always like, you're even having a dance at the university. Nobody goes to the university dances. Regardless, we do have to mention one more thing before yeah. we wrap this up, because I do think it's important. And I yeah. know we're not going to probably cover it much in the discussion. Okay. But I just want to acknowledge that when we get introduced to the first black character, yes, Sweet Valley High. Nina. Yes. She is, uh, she Elizabeth's at the library. She's studying. She's thinking. She's yep. reading. Reading, and she meets Nina, who is uh, the only black character I've, I've, we've come across. Yeah. Maybe Danny's black, uh, which is one of Tom yes, Watts' Yes, he is, friends. I think, supposed to be black. Okay. Yeah. And, um, Hence the Tombo. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so then, so then uh, Nina is talking to Elizabeth because Elizabeth is confessing her problems with yeah. Celine, who is the yeah. worst. And uh, Nina is like, you know what? I also have roommate problems. And why is that, Adrian? <laughs> Oh, okay. I didn't remember exactly, and now I completely remember. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's really unfortunate, and I feel also unfortunate that you've thrown this to the white host to try to break <laughs> it down. So but basically, Nina has a million braids on her head, and they all end in beads. And when she shakes her head, it makes too much noise. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Were you just as horrified when you read that? I was so horrified. I was like, Francine, I am embarrassed I for you. I knew you were going to be so upset. And I was definitely like reading with like out of the corner of my eye. Like, oh. But, you know, to be honest, as we got through this book, I was like, thank God it wasn't worse. <laughs> uh, but yeah. it was because you also then texted me a picture of the worst part of the book when it comes to race is when Celine, Elizabeth's roommate, oh. is in the bathroom talking crap about Elizabeth. Yes. And then Nina it. overhears her talking and she's like Celine everything you're saying is a lie and she starts to like really go in on Celine and then yes. Celine all of a sudden turns to her and goes oh my god why are you being so mean to me yes. is it because my people had slaves this is what she says I found it okay why are you attacking me like this she asked her voice quavering with emotion is it because you blame my people for slavery is that it are you mad at me because I come from the South? For the first time, the hard, disgusted expression left Nina's face. She started to laugh quietly at first and then so loudly, everyone but Celine joined in. No, Celine, Nina gasped. I'm not mad at you because you come from the South. I'm mad at you because you didn't stay there. Snaps all over. Wow, it's so 90s. Can you imagine saying to an African-American person, are you mad because of slavery? Oh, it's hurt. Oh, it's, it's upsetting. I would have never done it. Francine, <sighs> I'm that's... I'm so hot. Just I, know, I was talking like, about I was it. like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. I was really uncomfortable. And like I said, you know, we're not probably going to get into that conversation. I really wish we would have hired yeah. or not hired, but um, had, cause we don't hire anyone on the show, <laughs> but to ask someone to come on the show to talk about that. Had I known it was going to happen. It was very nineties. So I guess the key plot points to walk away from folks are Elizabeth is fat and unhappy and spends the whole book trying to get skinnier while also being hungry and maybe gonna date Tom Watts. Maybe not. Jessica loses her virginity. We have no idea if she came or not. Probably not. Let's be real. <laughs> and maybe is going to move in with this loser boyfriend who's definitely cheating on her. Todd has a new girlfriend, still a dick. Eden now goes by Alex. Winston Egbert is living in a dorm. We never see Bruce Patman. No, we don't see him in this one. No. no. And Lila is the Countess de Medici. <laughs> <laughs> and we find out Francine. Francine. A little bit racist. I mean, a lot of it racist. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. However, uh, we are going to have a good time today with Miss Anita Meckler. So let's get there. <laughs> Done an intro. <laughs> Anita Meckler is a consulting archivist by day and a writer right before a deadline. She recently got engaged to her partner, Ira, and credits her two cats for keeping her thoroughly entertained during this pandemic quarantine. Okay. It's true. <laughs> Thank God for pets. Miss, I just got a dog. <laughs> Who? You. <laughs> <laughs> 
You can read more of her writing at drinkerswithwritingproblems.com. And for all your archival needs, check out mecklerconsulting.com. And we will tag her on our post so you will be able to find her easily. Anita, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on the show is because you were telling me the cutest story about how you got involved with Sweet Valley High. Can you please tell us? Yes. So I was young, uh, a young tween when I heard about the Sweet Valley High books from my older cousins who were, by the way, both blonde um, and (laughs) from the white side of my family. Um, And they had been collecting Sweet Valley High since they were young and they gave me their entire set of books. So it was several bookshelves work worth of books that that's I a real to gift devour yes did you just start reading them right off the bat I did I did I don't remember reading any of the university ones but oh, I'm really s- thrown by this that the the white cousins the white blonde cousins <laughs> were like you know what you need Anita <laughs> it's my sweet valley high collection Yeah, they were gifting it to me. One of the cousins and I are actually birthday twins. So we have birthday on the same day. Nice. She's much older, obviously, but. Yeah, she because she was done with her sweet valleys just in time for you to be ready. Yes. So when you started reading those books, what was your, what was your impression of them as a young person? Because we are obviously going to talk about how fucked up you think they are now as a grown person. (laughs) Oh, for real. That was, they were way hard. It was way harder to read this time around. I was like, oh my God, I had to just stop and roll my eyes a lot um, and just take deep (laughs) breaths and walk away from it. Um, I devoured them. I don't know. I loved them. I did. I was thinking about what you said, Adrian, in a previous episode. I am a fan and a listener. Um, first time first caller, time caller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that I, I, they were aspirational for me. Um, and the funniest story about it though, is that I don't know, I think this was the sweet Valley high books, but in the back of the book, they had instructions on how to do your hair or how to do your makeup. And I'm pretty sure it was a sweet Valley high book, but they had this whole thing about brushing your hair a hundred times. And I don't know if people don't know what I look like, but I have really, really, really curly hair. Like really, like amazingly, completely. Like Shirley Temple is embarrassed of her curls because of Anita's curls. Yeah, they're pretty dope. And I brushed my hair a hundred times. And if you have curly hair, you know, you should never, ever, ever brush your hair. But I did it a hundred times, a hundred times, a hundred times and had the biggest fro in like the fifth grade because I listened to the Sweet Valley High um, advice about like you went to school like that oh yeah I have a school picture I could show you oh we we need that for our Instagram yes we have to put that on our Instagram and we need to do a whole series where people have taken bad advice from Sweet Valley High and put it on our Instagram (laughs) yes and the last piece of advice was that they wanted you to use conditioner the size of a quarter and I just laughed my ass off I was like a police. No, for my hair, you need conditioner, like an entire bottle of conditioner. <laughs> when you were telling me that story, I remember because we were in the ba- my backyard and I was like, oh my God, I have like a very familiar feeling of that same thing. I don't, you know, we haven't discussed it, me and Adrian, about the idea of beauty tips at the end, but one, it would totally be on brand. And two, I do remember something like that. I do remember reading something about people with curly hair and like, or with just with hair, I guess, and having to brush it and brush it and brush it. Mm-hmm. And every time I tried it, the same thing happened. I just looked like I put my finger in a like electrical socket. Yes, yes, yes. And I always wanted a Fiat. I always wanted the Obviously. spider Fiat. And my favorite perfume was Malibu body spray. Um, I was very into the California like wannabe California aesthetic back in the nineties when I was. Wow. And everybody, Anita's from Texas. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, did you do a sun in moment? Did you spray that sun in stuff? I'm pretty sure I did sun in. Yeah. I'm, I've tried. No, you put sun in, in your, I mean, I put sun in my hair, but also I am a blonde. (laughs) (laughs) It was really like back then, especially like Asian people, you know, I'm half Asian, but like half, Asian people would put it sun in in our hair and our hair would just turn orange. I was going to say, never it's was, not it was never for, blonde. Yeah, no. It went through a period people. in high school where I bleached the crap out of my hair. 
Um, So I actually had pictures of myself blonde too, because I was actually blonde when I was little until I was about three or four. And the other day I was like, uh, Anita sent me a picture of, cause she had like right before this podcast, she had a thing with her eye and she sent me a picture of, of it. And I was like, oh my God, your eyebrows look so blonde. Like all of a sudden I had this moment of her being like a little girl. And then she was like, no, it's this gray. <laughs> It's gray. Her eyebrows are just gray. You just outed her as having gray eyebrows? Well, I mean, we're all old. She I mean, just I- turned 40 this week. That is hurtful. <laughs> that is an attack. And Anita, I want to apologize to you. <laughs> Thank you. For Elizabeth's behavior. <laughs> Speaking of being old whores, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about, you know, some sex stuff. Yes. Let's yeah. talk about it. Sexy sex. Yes. Sex, 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 sex. sex, sex. Were you as disappointed as I was that Jessica's deflowering happened off screen? Absolutely. Absolutely. Really but- still having a hard time getting over this. I mean, I read like 300 pages of this book. All, I mean, the whole thing, I Googled it online. Which book does Jessica lose her virginity? I found it. I was like, this is the book we're going to read, gals. And then when I finally got there, I, di- I didn't even get to see her touch his dick. I mean, nothing. (laughs) I've heard about it. He's such a bad boy. They spend more time talking about the food at this ridiculous, obsessive fixation about like the potato chips, you know, that Elizabeth has been fantasizing. The cheddar cheese potato chips. The the burrito. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, the burrito scene. Yeah. Fucking Enid Alex eating a burrito walking down the road. Nobody does that. No, that's very weird. I don't know. I'm still feeling upset about it, though. It's not that I need, you know, just like constant sex input. But when you you survive. That's what he said. (laughs) But when you survive your tweenhood by Sweet Valley High and you come to know these girls, right? You're like, they've gone to college. You're like ready for the moment. And we didn't get it at all. I will say I was not surprised that Jessica chose the wrong person to deflower her. Did you guys pick the right person to deflower you? I'm going to let Anita take this one. Yeah. Who deflowered you, Anita? Uh, I was thinking (laughs) about whether or not I was going to say his name or not. Um, I'm sure he doesn't listen to this. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, is he a fan of Warfield? Um, I doubt it. Um, his name was John Cabey. He it was in college. He was um, a stoner skater boy. Um, he was also mixed race. He was uh, half black and half white. Um, and he, I got high with him and then had sex with him in the dorm room. Anita, you were a college virgin? I was. This is is something very interesting about Anita. So Anita is a person that when you meet her, she just like oozes sexuality. She is all. And if you have questions about sexuality, if you have questions about like understanding your body or any of that, Anita is the first person to advocate for you and to like talk to you about it. And this is sex positive. She is super sex positive, which is one of the reasons we wanted her for this particular book, because we knew we could talk about this pretty openly. And Anita is not going to hold back. Not even the guy's name. Sorry, mom. (laughs) Yeah. And um, listen. (laughs) what's surprising to me, somebody who maybe is not as open. I also like, I lost my virginity right before I turned 16. So when you told me that you lost your virginity when you're in college, I was shook. I was 20. You were like a sophomore. Yeah, I was 20. Okay. Well, like let's back up. Tell us about your, your journey to being a 20 year old virgin, because I was also a 16 year old virgin and then deflowered. Um, But anyway, (laughs) the point being, you know, there's a lot of talk about Jessica's purity and there's just this like strange expectation about like how she shouldn't sleep with anyone, but really no real information about why she shouldn't. Um, So tell us, how were you 20 years old? And then how did you become such a sex positive person? Well, I was always pretty sex positive, even when I was younger. Um, I was a quite a young masturbator, <laughs> um, and which much. How too, young are we talking? I'm talking like I would do it at like four because it just felt good, and I was just like, "Oh, yeah. what? You know, like what's the big deal?" Um, I definitely course- did. The, I'm sorry. I, was oh, yeah, no, say, I definitely did the lean toward the couch thing. Oh yeah. Couch arm, like the leaning back of chairs. Yeah, yeah, the humping of the couch arm. I had a. I had a glow worm, you know, um, 
how? Yeah. Um, well, I just, I, um, I very much, I was about pleasure. I really wanted to, um, my goal, okay. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, which is one of the teen pregnancy capitals, or it was when I was growing up and I wanted to leave. I wanted to get out of there. I did not want to be there forever. And in my mind, what I saw a lot growing up um, was people getting pregnant um, when they were teenagers. And so I was like, I'm not having sex until I get out of here. Um, And I am going to study. I'm going to get scholarships. I'm going to get grants. I'm going to get, you know, all the things so that I can get the fuck out of here. So that's why I didn't. (laughs) That's really smart, though. Yeah, it's very thoughtful. Yeah, I mean, I read these books and I was like, Jessica's definitely giving Bruce handies and her (laughs) Porsche one Porsche. So I'm going to fuck people. No, go ahead. Anita. (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, I did hand jobs and stuff, but and I... (laughs) She's not a prude. <laughs> I'm not a prude. I, you know, but I was just like, don't get it anywhere near, you know, don't get that thing anywhere near me so yeah. that it doesn't impregnate me. Um, I was very much about, I had a boyfriend that him and I experimented, you know, we kind of did everything, but sort of thing and including no, butts. but, um, <laughs> wait, he put it in your butt. No, 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 no. We didn't do the, we didn't do any, but, <laughs> But we, you know, her her words, her words were, we, we did everything, but no buts. buts. We did it all in the butt. No, that's what I heard. Just kidding. All right. So she, so you go to college. You're like, I went to college San Antonio. I'm not getting porked until I have like laid a foundation that I'm going to have a feminist life. I love it. Amazing. And then I decided I wanted to have my, an orgasm the first time. I mean, good for you. How did you get to that choice? I also so, love that you knew that you're supposed to do that because a lot of girls who, no, are, who lose their virginity not. don't even have an idea what an yeah, orgasm is. Yeah. yeah. So how did you come to that? Well, I was into Riot Girl. I was a feminist and I, I mean, I am a feminist still. I was, my head feminist awakening in high school. So I was friends with all of, my high school was all girls. So the joke is you either leave confused or gay um, from there, <laughs> you know, you're like, eh, I could go either way sort of thing. And so people were very much about pleasure. And um, I went to this thing called the Southern Girls Convention um, that was based in Riot Girl um, ethos and music and music labels. Because what happened was that Riot Girl happened up in Olympia, Washington area. And so not a lot of it, it got down to the South, but there wasn't the gatherings and stuff like that that happened on mass because people are so separated and political, you know, politics and all that stuff. So I actually went to a Southern girls convention thing and there was a lot of sex positive workshops um, there where people talked about masturbation and they talked about cycles. Wait, how and- old are you in this story? I was 18. Oh, okay. I was 18. So, um, and then I just, so I decided wow. that. I mean, that's amazing though. Like this is definitely not the sexual education I had. I mean, I went to Northern Illinois university and the like feminist class I had was like, here, read the awakening. Now, you know, it all. <laughs> I mean, my, my sexual awakening was like my mom waiting to tell me about condoms after I'd lived with someone for a year. She was like, do you know what condoms are? <laughs> like, I've been living with a man for a year, mom. You were like, sort of. <laughs> Honestly, to be, you know, like, I would way rather have been at like some right girl fucking sex positive workshop. I mean, yes. Yeah, that's awesome, Anita. Yeah, thank you. And then so I when I, I I saw a lot of it happening to my friends. So I had a friend who did have sex when we were. 14 or 15 and she was in love with her boy you know she loved her boyfriend and she got pregnant and she had the baby and we had completely different you know our lives completely diverged from there we were really good friends we were into you know alternative music together and painting our nails weird colors and stuff and then she had sex with her boyfriend and so in my mind I thought okay the first person I'm gonna have sex with I'm not gonna be in love with I'm not gonna get pregnant and I'm gonna have an orgasm (laughs) Wow. I mean, that's a really 
thoughtful <laughs> response to sexuality. It's super so. crazy, but I also love that Anita's whole motivation this whole time has been like, do not put a baby in me. No, but you no. know what? It's totally logical. I think it's really important to talk about because like women carry at like, you know, 12, 14, you know, yeah. it's such a young age, this like huge risk and responsibility. You know, it's really a, a very fucked up thing that like, you know, this whole story revolves around this risk that if you get pregnant, your life is going to be ruined. And like all our lives are kind of have that harbinger like over us always. Yeah. And that, that, it, that you were able to recognize it, Anita, as a young person who is just like, look, this is not going to be my path. I'm not going to just have this, like, dude's going to fuck me. I'm going to get pregnant. It's over. You Did know, your like- mother tell you? Was she like, dude, if you get pregnant, your life is going to be over. Or no. you figured it out yourself. No, I just figured it out. I mean, my, wow. the only talk we really had with my parents was, Oh, my mom, my dad didn't talk about it at all. I mean, pretty much when I had puberty, he was like, okay, bye. No, I mean, he's, he's still around, but <laughs> nice knowing you. Your <laughs> boobs are so big. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, it's, it's happening to my, my, one of my nieces who's older and I'm like, oh, boobies. Ah. Um, it happened with your girls too, Elizabeth, when I know. Finally got boobs, it was so uncomfortable. I was like, she's really pretty and good looking. It has these boobs now. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, now that you're telling me the story. Shout out Violet. (laughs) (laughs) Good up, V. Gonna tag you in this Instagram, Violet. (laughs) Now that we're talking about this, though, it makes me think to myself, like, why didn't I just have Anita talk to my girls about sex? (laughs) I bought them a book. And Anita has always been, you know. You should have. For all the listeners out there, Anita is basically, Anita is basically like my sister. Like we have had a long history together. We love each other madly. You know, we, we fight and love the way two sisters would love. If I had a sister, I'm imagining, cause I don't have a sister. I mean, I do have a sister. Wait, 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 it's yeah, Anita, it's you Anita. guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she's, she's been around since my kids have been like very little three and six. And it, it you're telling me the story. I remember when my daughter was like, first interested in her body and talking about things. I was like, I'll get you a book. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what she did? She bought my kid a sex book last Christmas when he was 10. And I haven't stopped hearing about the fact that he is bi since. It is a (laughs) nightmare. I'm like, be bi, man. I don't fucking care. I'm super into it. Like, it's fucking great. It's going to open up so many dating possibilities for you. Like, I'm totally into it. But then the other day he was like, we're driving the car and he's like, mom, are you proud of me that I'm bi? And I was like, shut the fuck up. You are 11. You are 11. You have not kissed anyone. You don't know shit. The only person he has kissed was a dolphin in Mexico named Kishpam. Not to pry and put your business all over the no, internet, but I am totally going to do it right now. Yeah. So like to me, one of the other interesting things about you is that you um, lost your virginity in college, but didn't you also lose your virginity before college? Well, you mean with women? Yes. Oh, or- what the fuck? Wait, <laughs> yes. Yes. this is not a cis heteronormative show. <laughs> like well, why, would, why were we talking about our virginity well, because, only as because I think mm-hmm. that's, dick. I think that's tends that tends when we say virginity, I think people tend to think of the patriarchal view. I think that's true, protecting and valuing are woke at Wokefield. So Anita, <laughs> tell us about your first actual deflowering. Well, I was quite young. I mean, I I was experimenting really young with my female friends um, at about probably 11. Wow. So, yeah, it was my best friend um, who then later became my frenemy, an enemy. I'm really curious. Every time on the show. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, But yeah, we just were curious. We were just kind of like, hey, I heard this feels good. Do you want to do it to each other? So we did. Are we just talking about like some handsy stuff? I mean, I'm talking full on, like going down and with your face. Yeah. With my face at 11. Yeah. God. You know what? When we picked this book, I was like, Anita is the person she's so sex positive. She's like a sex kitten. Like it's amazing. And you know what? We're learning shit. Like that's, I mean, cunnilingus at 11. I mean, but I do think that that, at that age, you you (laughs) see a lot of that stuff. You do know that it's happening. You just like, no one, no one wants to talk about it. And one of the things that I thought was interesting about raising my kids in the city, because people are always like, oh my God, I'd never raise my kids in the city. But you know, very much like you, Anita, they were like in an urban enough environment that they saw all this like crappy stuff happening to their friends that they were just like, 
I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to end up being pregnant. I don't want to end up having like a, a, a negative um, sexual uh, situation. So they were very aware of it. I mean, yeah. that's kind of the advantage of having a city kid. Adrian, mm-hmm. we haven't talked about your virginity loss. Oh, I'd love to talk about yes. it. So <laughs> my parents were both high school teachers. And as is well stated in this show, they really did not pay much attention to me. But it was very clear to me of a couple things that like they were very not into teen pregnancy. <laughs> like very against teen pregnancy. And my mom was also very against teen pregnancy in terms of like, she, her feeling was that women were not given the pleasure that they deserved. And then they fucking got pregnant and got stuck with these babies and their whole lives were ruined. Mm -hmm. So I knew that pleasure was like an important thing from the beginning. Um, so are you ready for my first time? I'm listening. Okay. I'll jump in. I'll jump. I'm about to dim the lights. So When I was 16, I met this boy, shout out to Jason Smart, and we both worked at a telemarketing company. (laughs) Wait, your first boy was Jason? Yeah, his name is- My first boy was a guy named Jason. Shut the fuck up. God. Well, let's we'll we'll mark we down the parallels. We both lost our virginities on waterbeds with guys named Jason. <laughs> wow. Listen, all white guys are named Jason in the 90s. It's not Actually, that interesting. White. Okay, well anyway, my Jason was a white guy who we worked together at a telemarketing firm and he became my boyfriend. I was 16, he was 19. My parents were like having heart attacks. They were not into this at all because he went to the junior college, but (laughs) I was always a wild girl. I think I have a seven wing Elizabeth. So eventually they had to just let me do what I would. Anyway, Jason, he, he also used to deal a little weed. So (laughs) he had a little weed, he had a little Mustang. Anyway, he had also a basin bedroom at his parents' house with a waterbed that basically took up the entire bedroom. The only As they do. Yeah. The only other thing in the bedroom was one of those like giant uh, stereos. Oh, I thought you were going to say beanbag chair. No, a stereo. This is the 90s. It's 1996. Yeah, but in the 90s, the 60s were back. Okay, like, but I'm talking- a 30-year cycle. Elizabeth, I'm talking about CDs. I'm talking about a six-disc CD changer. Ooh, six discs. That's oh, fancy. No. Is that the sex happened on a heated waterbed with R. Kelly's down low playing on repeat, and I came. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So what, let's hear wait, your Jason. Did we, did we ever hear did, Anita? Did you come on your your first? I did. That I was her goal. So hard that my eyes rolled in the back of my head, and I stopped. And he was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "You're like never speak to me again." Yeah, pretty much. I was like, "Okay, thanks, bye." Like I just needed to know. We listened to Luscious Jackson. What? Yeah, the Naked Eye album. Kelly. Yeah. We listened to that on repeat. I also love that Anita's eyes rolled back in her head. That sounds literally like something Francine Pascal would have written herself. No, she wouldn't because <laughs> she doesn't understand sex. Well, she does it off screen. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mine was with a guy that I had been that had been finger banging me for years, and then. Uh, great. <laughs> you literally, she just literally made our producer do like a spit take. He is still not recovered. Like. <laughs> What does that mean? Finger <coughs> for years, you were 16. So what? Yeah, Since you we, were junior high? We were, yeah, we were in your junior pants? high when we met. We met in junior high. And then that's what he did. He did that until then he was like, let's have sex. And I was like, all right. And did then- you love him? Were you into him? Like, why was he finger banging you for years? I mean, do you need a, I mean, it's a real to question, JW. JW is so red. <laughs> I mean, I love a good finger bang, you know, we were like in a relationship. Oh, were you? Okay. That's what I wanted to know. Like in eighth grade, you were, he had his hand down your pants and you were together. I don't know if you call it a relationship. (laughs) I don't know. He was cute. And then he like came over to my house and did that. And then, uh, (laughs) I mean, I was like, it's just like not that great of a story. And then I was like on my bed, on my mom, on my mom's mirrored canopied bed wait the water bed was your mother's yes. oh why yes. weren't you in your own room what is wrong with you because this had a water bed and a mirror <gasps> elizabeth listen a virgin no but it's very sexy to oh watch someone God. try to fuck you <laughs> i am so upset 
about it is. This. And so porn was, definitely influenced. He you. was, he, <laughs> he was on top of me and the, the, the bed was a rumping, you know, it was just like moving wake away. Like it's called a wake. <laughs> and then, um, he was like, are you ready? And I was like, yeah, I'm ready. Were and you then, ready? I mean, I don't know. Like, well, I just didn't at know. At that point, I'm- he had been fingering me so long. It was just like stretched out. Like you just walk right in. Wow. <laughs> like it was not. Wow. I mean, especially, you know, teenage boys with the fingering. It's just like. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, not it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. Yeah. So yeah. then then he 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 like slipped it in and he was like, <laughs> he was laying on top of me and I was like looking at the mirror and um, it was like a second. And I was like, I just heard like. And it was like, what just happened? What at any point were you like, why am I on my mother's bed? No, because we made it all over the house. Adrian, the whole house is for making love. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But that that is said. So wait, he pumped it about twice, then he came and it was over. I think twice, maybe. Like that might be even a slight exaggeration. Okay. So and then though, what happened? Then the next day he pulled a fucking Mike McAllery. Yeah. And then he started dating some other chick the very next day. That's hurtful. Did he know it was your virginity? Yeah, of course. And then he uh, started dating this this chick the next day, and uh, she turned out to be a lesbian. So I'm really excited about that. <laughs> a shout out to her. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things that also is funny to me is the way that that the, these books handle the idea of sex and sexuality. Yes, let's talk about it. Yes. So one of the things that keeps that, that happens is they they constantly talk about their bodies. They constantly are talking about you know these sexual tensions, but they never ever get into the stories. Except for when they use a the phrase making love, which I hate. But I wanted also. to know from you, Anita, what did you think what, when you're reading this and they're kind of playing and dancing around the sex? And I think today you were telling me these books are for people 12 and up, right? <laughs> it's a 12 and up on the university. Well, no, no. Anita like looked at the no, beginning of the book and it I'm says just saying, 12 I think and the up. university is for like 14 year olds. And you know what? <laughs> when you're 14, there should be some sex. 12 and up. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying this part of your education should include as a woman reading about some sex and to do it off screen was it's bullshit. Like if I'm for, if we're 10, 11, 12 reading the high school ones, we're 14 at least when by the time they go to college, I want to see that dick. I want to know what to expect. That's why you read VC Andrews. Hell yeah, girl. <laughs> Which you is know, what I was reading. You know, I all I know is about that incest <laughs> from VC Andrews. I am there. And Judy Bloom's forever. Shout out Judy Bloom. You are forever. <laughs> all right. And what did you think? Um, I felt similarly. I was really curious. I'm like, do these roommates not have lives? Number one. Cause when I no. was in college, my roommates did not give that many shits about me and my sex life and my relationships. <laughs> like I thought the whole point of going to college was that you get to just do what you want to do and you don't have to have people lecturing you about it. I was also really curious. Like what does she know? What does her roommate Isabella know about Mike? Because it seems like he's has all these secrets, but it's really just, yeah what they think is wrong with him? I mean, look, Mike was a townie. That's the bottom line. Mike was a townie. He doesn't go there. No one knows what his job is, but he's still hanging out with all the girls. <laughs> I also, Anita, one of the things that we had talked about was like this condom in a cereal bowl. So please, yeah. please fill in with our, fill in our listeners on this and then what you so thought. Jessica's roommate, Isabella, is really involved in her sex or non-sex life yet (laughs) so much where she wants to lecture her all the time and so then her one of her tactics is well if you are going to have sex with him you better use a condom and so she posts something on their shared refrigerator about condoms and it's some ad with this couple looking super in love with each other and one morning when Jessica I think has spent the night but not had sex with Mike um, she's having her cereal and her roommate says well you better use this and throws a condom in her cereal bowl oh and she says well he's either going to give you get you pregnant or give you AIDS listen you know what this I is was like what this is yes. the exact same scare tactics as Enid or as what's her face doing Regina Morrow doing one line of cocaine yes. and instantly dying yeah I mean, it's you know but yeah. anita would have punched a bitch if they threw a condom into her cereal am yeah. i i have absolutely first of all i'd be like <laughs> my sex life is none of your fucking business like that's what part of this book that really pissed me off the most is like 
nobody, your sex life is not anyone's business ever. You can tell people as long as it's consensual, it, it's up to you to share that about it. Why is everyone so into it about, I mean, and similarly what happened with her brother, hopefully my brother's not listening, but about his brother, her their brother living with his girlfriend and then not obsessing about her sex life. And I mean, I had my brother did that to me too. I was 28 when I moved in with one of my exes and he was like, I'm disappointed in you. What? Yes. And he had lived with, who became his wife, um, my sister-in-law, like he had lived with her when they were in college. And it's so like, why, come why on, did he dude. Say he was, why would he say he was disappointed in you? Because I'm the girl and I'm supposed to not move in unless we get married. Well, and this book is very, <laughs> yeah. I think, oddly patriarchal because it's it's almost like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette where there's these like underlying Christian values, but they're not entirely like explored or explicitly stated. So it's like clear that, you know, we're not sure that Jessica should have sex or, you know, people are shaming her or saying that she shouldn't, but like it's not explicitly said why she shouldn't. Right. What, what did you say to Antonio? Oh, that's fine. He's probably not going to listen to this either. It's fine. It's fine. Ooh, Antonio? Oh. <laughs> My brother. Antonio's not going to. Antonio Meckler? <laughs> what did you say to him when he was like, I'm disappointed in you? I was like, well, I don't care. I'm 28. Like, what, you. <laughs> lived with your girlfriend for years. I don't like my parents had didn't, I mean, they didn't, they probably had a little bit of a problem with it, but they didn't say anything to me. And how did that just make you feel? I was, I was just like, what, who the fuck are you? I, it just, it, it made me really mad. I was just really angry about it because it felt like a total double standard, which happens a lot in our family. Um, and, you know, I'm half Mexican. And so there is definitely um, in some Mexican culture that I grew up with, got boys will be boys and can do whatever they want. And then the girls should remain virginal. So it's like, okay, well, who, and then the boys are only sleeping with the loose women, right? But that's okay. They kind of have to sow their wild oats before they settle down to be family men. And even then, like my great uncle had a, he had a completely separate family and it's totally normal. You mean he had two families? He had two families. He actually named all his sons the same names. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which they didn't find out until he was getting ready to die. And the woman like showed up and was calling. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to need to have a whole other podcast. (laughs) Her family history, her family tree. Two, two families. And you didn't find out until he died. How did he even keep it up? He would just trash Elizabeth. He could just. That's, and that's part of it is that they can, they can they kind of do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. Well, he could drive and his wife couldn't. So oh, yeah. you control yeah. the women in order to do whatever you want, because if the women don't have an education, can't drive, can't read, don't make their own money, then they can't do anything about the fact that you will go and start a completely other family. And then you come home whenever you want. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I mean, I thought my divorce was bad. You know, um, so I, after college, I moved in with my college boyfriend and my dad was like appalled and very upset. And we were Episcopalian, by the way, like the liberal Christians. And he was like all not into it. You know, I was 23, but he was, I, I just want to point out, it was a bad idea and I should have done something else <laughs> other than marrying this man. But the reason that my dad was upset was not because I had so much potential. I was wasting <laughs> Yeah. By like yeah. living with this man. It was all this same like patriarchal kind of strange stuff. And I, I did find in this book it very interesting how the kind of like sex politics were portrayed because, you know, I was really pumped to see Jessica lose her virginity and she was really shamed about it. And then she was like, well, I'm going to do it because you shamed me so I can. Then we, I would assume she didn't get off. We didn't even get to see it, but you know, she's Jessica. It wasn't great. I definitely think that was the situation. <laughs> yeah. And I, I wanted to kind of, I want to move this over a little bit yeah. to another subject, which is the idea of fantasy, right? So like there is like, even leading up to your idea of losing your virginity, we all have these kind of ideas about like what that's going to look like. I mean, Anita 
formulated a plan, which is a lot different than a fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she was like, this is what is going to happen. And that is exactly what happened. <laughs> and yeah. for like the, the, the one thing that, that constantly strikes me as odd and kind of weird about all these books and makes these books way too long is this idea of these women and men living in these, these false narratives that they create before anything happens. Or even if something happens, it's kind of like what they do as their follow-up. They're always living in these really crazy fantasies. And I want to give you an example of a few. So one is like Jessica and her fucking croissants. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of like bringing croissants to this guy and being like, yo, here's some croissants. She's like, oh, when Mike sees me with this handful of croissants, he's going to love me forever, which is crazy. No one loves you because you bought some croissants. I would literally love you. If you I mean, I also <laughs> yeah, but- <laughs> love it when someone gives you croissants. Uh, Tom's narrative about Elizabeth. He's just like, she's never going to love me. She doesn't care about me. He'd never talked to her about dating him. He, he never had a conversation about what was happening with him. And this is the one that really, really, really gets under my skin, which is the one about Enid. Enid, who is now Alex. <laughs> and she's just like, you know, she's friends with Elizabeth, but now that she has found this man, she has this whole life that she's made up in her head. That's like, I mean, they're like italicized sentences that are about Anita Enid being like, Oh, I have the perfect man. I'm in college now. And I don't have to give a shit about anyone else anymore. And I just wonder what are the benefits of living in a fantasy like that? Because the truth is that life is not ever like that. Right. So I don't understand Francine's purpose in writing that way. And I don't understand for even the characters, why they want to live in that world. Did you notice that Anita? Yeah. I mean, she, I guess she has to create some kind of conflict in order to have a story, I guess. Cause at the end of the book, you're like, well, okay, I guess that's all wrapped up for the most part. <laughs> or Tom has some dark secret that maybe it was revealed the book before or something. There's so, it just, it's strange what she's specific about and not specific about. And I think it comes with everything, including the food, the sex, personalities, people's jobs, whatever else is going on like there's just so many things she's not or the whoever wrote this um isn't specific about and so yeah of course you can fantasize about someone you know nothing about you can completely put all of your hopes and dreams onto somebody if you don't really know them very well and maybe if they don't have much of a personality to begin with, it's I like, I don't think it's that like- weird. That's the entire appeal of online dating. You're swiping, you're swiping, you're swiping. <laughs> and at every person that you may swipe the other way on, it's because you've already created a story about that person in your head. All you've been given is one picture and maybe one sentence that is like, I work hard and I play harder. You know, <laughs> so that- he's like, I got a fish. Yeah. And he's like, look, I caught this fish once and I work hard and I play harder. That's my philosophy. And look at me being a groomsman. A hundred percent. He's like, look, I cut my ex-girlfriend out of this photo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course. So then you've created, you know, the only thing to do at that point is to create a narrative for that person and who that person is going to be in your life. I mean, I love that you put this fantasy thing in because we haven't talked about it before, but I, I don't think it's as wild as you do. I mean, I think this is what people do. They fill in the fucking blanks. Right. But I think in the context of um, being like a young person who then grows up to be a woman is to live in that, in that space isn't beneficial. It's not like Mm -hmm. a way to like grow as a person to live in a space where you're just like assuming a lot. And I think that's my problem. It's like that, that they create these false narratives, these stories that aren't real. They're nowhere near real. It's not like curiosity. It's not like, Oh, I wonder what Tom is like in bed. It's more like Tom feels this way. Tom is this way. Like, and I don't, you think this is true for online dating is that you make a lot of assumptions about people that are not true and there's no room for openness. Yes. And this book is definitely that. It's just the same as like, I was just watching Bridgerton. It made me so mad. I hate watching a plot that all hinges on like just one person needing to say one thing. And the entire relationship between Elizabeth and Tom is both of them like being unwilling to say the one thing that they need to say. And so instead we just have to watch them fucking fumble around for 200 pages. It's painful. It is painful. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just not, it's just not reality period. Right. 
and maybe that's part of the appeal of reading that or that's part of the appeal of when people swipe on online dating right sometimes it's just at best is a distraction right Right. it's like I can distract myself I can get a little attention I can get some boosts I can get some someone to write to me and chat with me um and and I thought about this whole big man on campus thing which was a phrase (laughs) they used a lot in this book that's a real thing to whom? Like, I, I think about my college experience, which I think was probably very different because I came to Chicago and it was in the city and Loyola. And yeah, we had a fraternity. I mean, I think maybe two fraternities, two sororities. It wasn't this all encompassing thing. It was just sort of like, yeah, there's other things going on in the yeah. city. There's other things going on in the college and there's different groups of people. And so I'm I always, I question this popularity thing. I'm like, I think the people who think that they're popular kids, it's just because they care about each other. I don't know if everyone really cares about them in the same what? way. What? <laughs> well, we're going we're, we're, we're gonna to have to wrap it up. blowing Adrian's world apart. I don't know like, that that's accurate. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to wrap it up in a second. But before we do, this is actually another point that I had that I wanted to bring up because of you and Adrian. In term, in terms of, so I was going to bring up this whole idea of Mean Girls Club, but we've covered, we've covered this. Sorry, me? I know. No, sorry. So we've covered like how people are frenemies on this, this, these like consistently. But one of the things that strikes me as interesting is that um, I had told I when I was telling Adrian about this this particular podcast, I was like, oh, I'd love to talk about Mean Girls Club because I know Anita. And one of the things that she has struggled with a lot is like being able to feel like you belong into a group or like kids kind of like being the cool kids and not the like people who accept you necessarily. Um, but also when you had told me about the books, you were also you also told me how much you took it to heart. And Adrian, when I said to Adrian, I was like, look. I want to talk a little bit about Mean Girls Club because I think these people are real shitty to each other, especially the college kids. Adrian goes, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was college. <laughs> no, I was like, honestly, this book wasn't that off for my college experience. <laughs> I do want to shout out the sisters of the Delta Zeta sorority. <laughs> our mascot is the turtles because once we're on our backs, we're fucked. Fucked. But listen, my sorority... I will say, like, it wasn't Mean Girls like this. There was obviously, like, drama and judgment. And, you know, we've talked in the past about how you could get tapped if you were too drunk and you had to take your ass home with no questions, right? There were definitely sorority things. But honestly, you know, I'm still friends with these people 20-plus years later. It wasn't as... like Celine is like maliciously mean to Elizabeth, you know, it was more like Isabella and Jessica. Somebody's going to do something a little slutty and somebody else is going to bring in their like patriarchal, like suburban education to the situation and be like, well, you better use a condom. This is the nineties. I watched Pedro Zamora on the real world, San Francisco. You know, it was more like that. Yeah. Well, I, but here's, here's, here's another twist is okay. Anita and I used to play roller derby together. Yeah. Yes. And one of our favorite things was when we got fresh meat, which we were like new recruits who joined our home team and, um, you Anita, beat the shit out of them. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we beat, beat the shit out of them. Yeah. Anita and I are not people who would consider ourselves like cool kids or that like, we would be like, we would not necessarily say to someone, we like to be mean to other girls, but Anita, could you just tell them, tell the audience a little bit about <laughs> um, Mean Girls? Yeah, I mean, there's there is a sick pleasure of being part of a group, and somebody new comes to it, and then you get to beat the crap out of them. But it was roller derby. Was I mean, that's where you're to supposed to crappy. beat the crap out of gals. <laughs> you know, you take it all out on the track, so you don't have it afterward. Um, and one of my one of my best friends um, remembers lovingly getting um, knocked the shit out of by me into a wall, and we're friends to this day. So, yeah, but I, I think the message shouldn't be like, let's be mean to people to be friends with us for life. <laughs> that's the message of this book either i mean celine's a bitch there's definitely like some drama but i do think you know isabella's like concern is that like you know i I, it didn't read to me as being like outlandish mean girl shit that shit but there was i mean when the girl was like are you mad because of slavery that was mean girl Yeah, that was real fucked up. I mean, like the one person of color in the book or like there's two, but there's two people of color now 
in the book. Yeah. Two, two, two yeah. after like hundreds of books. Yeah. Um, so we're going to wrap it up. Anita, you are super, super great. So Thank do you, you have final thoughts for us regarding the book? One thing I was thinking of that we didn't exactly touch on was this whole should, should, should Jessica, should she not? And I was like, do you want to though? Do you want to have sex with him? Oh shit. Because that wasn't even a thought in my head. Well, I she, think, I think she did once people told her not to, that's Jessica's once, MO. Right. And she's, I, I want to live dangerously. And then yeah. of course, and she's sobbing every time she sees him with some other, you know, like Horn. side piece or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, she goes to a bar and she's like, and, like screams at him playing pool or whatever. But it's just, it's, it, I, that's one thought that haunted me was, well, do you want to? And also just any of these people, do you really know that person enough to like them so much and create all these fantasies about them? I think that's a great point. And that leads to my final thought, which is just like this book could have been so much better if we had any insight into Elizabeth or Jessica's sexuality and why they were or were not virgins. We don't know. You know, they don't talk about like if they're saving themselves or like there's just no depth there at all other than this sort of like patriarchal like you're blonde. You should keep your shit together until you get married. I uh, don't have very many final thoughts about it because I was just like, this book is terrible. It took me, it took all my energy to finish it. And I feel like the longer <laughs> this, this podcast goes on, I'm sorry, listeners, but the longer this podcast goes on and the more books I have to read, I'm just like, I can't believe how she turned these out every single time. The one thing that I do find redeeming about the book is... <laughs> <laughs> You can do it. I, I got to find something redeeming. I'm trying to think about um, maybe the, the, the thing that I find most redeeming and, and about the book is I do, I do like that the crew stays together. I do like this idea that these friends stay friends and then they go off to this university and they have this history together back to the whole point about being a mean girl. I guess I thought you were going to go with, I like that there was a serial killer introduced in William no. White. No, because he's, really he's a racist serial killer, which oh, is very we don't awkward. Like that. We don't like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate that uh, they went to university and turned out to be even worse people <laughs> than they were before in high school. <laughs> And on that note, yes. And and I wish we could have talked to you longer because I have so many questions about sex and sexuality, even though I'm a 47 year old woman and much more (laughs) older than you are. Hey, Anita, where can our people find you? Well, you can find me on Instagram at Anita Applebaum 14 and drinkerswithwritingproblems.com, mecklerconsulting.com. If you have any questions about orgasms, please reach out to Anita. Or archiving. Or oh both. my God, that should be her website, <laughs> Orgasms and Archiving. Yes. <laughs> that's the stuff that ladies are into. How are you not a lesbian? Because that's really. Well, she is a lesbian. I'm not a lesbian. Well, she's, she's a lesbian. Not. She's a straight person. She's a queer. She's a queer all around. Yes. She's yes. she's like a, a, a queer of all trades. Yeah. I mean, yes. everybody is. I'm the last straight person on the planet. It's a nightmare. Anyway. <laughs> thanks for listening to Wokefield. Special thanks to our guest, Anita Meckler. And of course, the mythical Francine Pascal. Pascal? I always say Pascal. Thanks to her and all the ghostwriters <laughs> <laughs> and all the ghostwriters who turned this shit out so we could stay up reading under the covers all night long. All night long. Hey, everybody, come back next week because we are going to meet the girls again from 17. No, no, no. They have grown up. They are 27 years old in Sweet Valley Confidential. And you know what else? They're in a fucking feud. Jessica has stolen Todd and Elizabeth has fled to New York. And you know what? It is really awful. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even just awful, but they actually perpetuated this idea that you could be a freelance writer and have an apartment in New York. It's it's, it's hurtful. It's very it's Trumpian. Yes. It's very Trumpian. Yes. But anyway, you're definitely going to want to hear this book. And you know what else? Hey, listen, I really want you to follow us on Wokefield Pod on Instagram because like every day I check it, I post things and I'm like, man, why don't we have more followers here? Also, remember to rate and review us at yeah. Apple iTunes at iTunes and uh, Spotify. Yeah, dude, Whatever. she got a mullet and she looks like Richard Marks and she's in a good mood. So Anita, <laughs> thank you. We love you. Sweet Valley thank out. You. Yes. Bye. Bye. We love you. Thank you Bye, so much. You. That was so fun, Anita. One. Yay.
Bruce, one. (laughs) (laughs) Wolfields! Tell the truth and shame the devil.